Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. This is Band from Ringside. Tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast, we give you our WWE Backlash recap. We talk about the first two nights of the New Japan Cup 2020. We do our NXT TakeOver do-over for NXT TakeOver Respect back in 2015. Uh, we talk about Ric Flair's heel turn on Christian. That and a whole bunch more tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast. Ditch that 9 to 5. It's time to feel alive. Hello, Mark. So welcome to the Band from Ringside podcast. As always, I am Bill Vagie, a.k.a. Kim Job Un. And over there in Edwardsville, <laughs> Illinois, we have Two Beer. Zach Pullman, what's going on, Two Beer? Uh, just full of uh, German beer and topical comedy. <laughs> nice. And uh, over there in U City, St. Louis, Missouri, we have Jason Cornelius Bell. What's going on, JCB? Allow us to bow our heads as I read from the Band for Ringside podcast, volume 160, chapter 3, verse 14. And the good smart saith, hashtag, who the heels? It is all good, baby. Listen, share, subscribe, repeat. Shout out to my girl, Becky Balboa. I love you, babe. Hope you have a first good day back at, job, at uh, work. Um, yeah, I'm ready, man. <laughs> this one's for you, dog. This one's for you. Yeah, we might have to get. I, I told Jason we have to get the he's heating up uh, <laughs> drop getting ready uh, at the beginning because Jason is fired up. We have tons of stuff to get to tonight. I'm coming at you from sunny South St. Louis, St. Louis, sunny South City, St. Louis. You guys knew what I meant. Um, Zach, I want to say that we missed you at the family reunion the other day. I could have used you there, uh, but we, we ended up having a pretty good time. Uh, how was camping? Uh, it was good. Uh, it was uh, like super mellow, very relaxing. It was the laziest camping I've ever done. In fact, the second night we didn't even cook dinner. We went to a Casey's and bought pizza. <laughs> oh, man. I had Casey's pizza this weekend, too. Casey's pizza is fire. It rules. It rules. It's so good. I do want to stress, though, that they are not a sponsor. Speaking of sponsors, Jason, tell us about F&B Eatery. Let's get into this. F&B Eatery on the corner of 3453 Southampton, Southampton and Marquette, home of the world-famous smash burger that you have never heard of. Check my boy Mike out. He is there for your smash burger needs. Like I always say every week, follow him on all your social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, F&B Eatery. That way you can keep up on the local specials, hours of operation, all that good stuff. They are open on the weekends as well for breakfast. So if you are out and about getting that honeydew list knocked out, slide on in. Support the local business, F&B Eatery, 3453 Southampton. Tell them that band from Ringside Station. All right, we're going to get into it. Let's start it with the three counts. One, two, three. JCB, get it kicked off. I've been patient with WWE for quite some time. You know, <laughs> let's see how it plays out. Let's see it how it plays out. Let's see it how it plays out. Oh, hell no. Worst pay-per-view of the year. I don't care which organization promotion you want to put it against. This is the worst in one non-humble person's opinion. 
biggest takeaway from it is for me, Bobby Lashley and uh, Drew McIntyre. That for me was the best match of the night, even though the finish was fairly predictable with Lana coming out. Not a big deal. Um, even though they did kind of squash him the next night, having him lose against our truth and Drew McIntyre in another winner takes all match. We can talk about winner takes all here in a little bit in just a second. Uh, from there, it's it's just a hodgepodge of bullshit. Sasha and Bailey retain, but I mean they're really supposed to retain. There's the, the three tag teams on the whole roster are in this match right now as we speak. So I mean, really, what are you supposed to do? Matt Hardy, I'm sorry, Jeff Hardy, I don't get that. I mean, he just won against Cesaro the week, the pay-per-view before, and now you set this whole thing up where he literally is supposed to go over. He got set up for a hit and run, and then you have Sheamus go over. I get it. Not really. Nia and Asuka, enough said there. Clearly uh, the opportunity to protect Nia Jax for whatever reason. Oh, take that back. I do know the reason. Let's look at the roster for Raw. In no particular order, Asuka, Becky, uh, Bianca Belair, Billy Kay, Charlotte, Kyrie Sane, um, Lana, Liv Morgan, Natty, Nia Jax already said, Peyton Royce, Ruby Riot, uh, Selena Vega, Shayna Baszler. That's your raw roster for the women. There are, there's literally, I checked three names on this list that could be the next potential champion or challenger to whoever this comes out the, as the champion. Obviously, Charlotte, Nia Jax, if she wins, then obviously she's the champion. Then the check mark will go to Asuka and then uh, Shayna Baszler. That's it. They have done nothing, absolutely nothing with this roster to build anybody up. Bianca Belair has been AWOL since she's been kind of inserted into that Viking Raiders Street Profits bullshit. She's been AWOL since. Horrible, horrible character development across the board. Lashley Drew already talked about that. Like I said, that was the match of the night. I was surprised that they made Drew look a little weak at times, but in turn, they made Lashley strong only to have him lose the next night in the winner-take-all match. Like I said, we can talk about it if you want to. Street Profits, Viking Raiders, this is what I was talking about the last time. The cinematic matches have Jump the ship, boys and girls. There's no reason the guys green earth that we had to sit through 15 minutes of this. I want to. I can't. I, ninjas? I, I just want to. Ninjas? Let me apologize to the listening audience. Um, when I when you were out of town a couple weeks ago, I switched around some of the drops uh, so we could have you inter- interact with us while you were gone. And I switched out NBA Jam thinking I would switch it back this week, and I forgot to. So let me just say, he's heating up. Uh, what did Thanks. you th- <laughs> What did you think about Edge versus Orton? It, to me, it's a red. Tinder said it best. That was a Randy Orton match. There was nothing that I that he did in that match or Edge did in that match that now all of a sudden even warrants like, oh, this is the greatest match ever. That was a mistake to begin with. Outside of that, it was a good match. Uh, to me, either or the last man standing or this match, I like them both, but it, everybody's losing their shit over how great this match was. You can go back four years, five years, two years ago. Randy Orton wrestles when Randy Orton is inspired. Right then, Randy Orton's inspired, so it becomes a good match. So I don't understand what the problem is. Either people don't like Randy Orton's character, or they think that he's boring in the ring. 
But if he's boring in the ring, then how is this a great-ass match? Zach, what are your thoughts? Uh, I had very low expectations for the pay-per-view, and uh, they exceeded them, but barely. Um, the thing I was most upset about is the match that I was personally looking forward to the most. I didn't even get to see because it was on the goddamn kickoff show, and I'm not watching that shit. I, I realized it after the fact, after I'd already sat through three hours, and I was like, ah, shit. And then I looked it up, and it was like six minutes anyway. I guess the title changed hands. But, I mean, like, you got a one-hour pre-show. Like, you don't need to build up these matches. I mean, you barely built them up, you know, to begin with, some of them. So maybe they did, you know, want some extra time. But you got 55 other minutes. Like, give the US, U.S. title and these really talented dudes, like, some time. But, I don't know, I think it's all very indicative of the direction that they're heading. They're not building for the future. They're relying on the past, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But uh, Heyman was definitely a guy that was building for the future, and he was shit-canned out of his position on Raw. They're kind of like the Democratic Party in that way. Absolutely, yeah. Not building for the future, relying on the past. Yeah, look at the candidate that they threw up whenever there's plenty of viable, (laughs) uh, exciting people. I didn't mean to take this in a different direction, but I mean. Yeah, but I'm just saying it's a perfect analogy. The comparison makes sense, though. It really does. And look at the general malaise that uh, the the left feels whenever that's like our options. The same malaise that the WWE fans feel. The ones that don't drink the Kool Aid. God damn, right? it's the a perfect that, analogy. Yeah, the ones that don't think that the Orton Edge match was the greatest match of all time because they were told that it was the greatest match of all time. The match was fine. It was not great. Edge is injured. He's out for like eight months. I don't. Know, whatever. He tore his tricep. Well, in a, in the, the match that you said in you were looking for. Uh, yeah, That's the yeah, shit yeah, I'm fucking talking about, man. Just have the goddamn match. They tried to pump in the crowd noise. That looked fake. They tried to pump in the this is awesome shit. That shit was fake. The, the Howard Finkel thing, I'll give you that. That was cool. I, I thought that was Outside cool, too. Outside of that, they tried to make it something that it wasn't. Uh, Stop trying to reference Flair and Steamboat in this match. It's not even close. Uh... Uh, two beer. Uh, Jason made his feelings known about what he thought about the pumped in crowd noise. I didn't mind it that much. It didn't seem. It didn't seem to. It didn't overpower anything. What did you think about it? It definitely felt like a video game. I mean, I played a lot of sports video games, and it, it felt exactly like that. Whether it was wrestling or baseball or whatever, right? It was like the same, very much the same noises. Um, I think if you're gonna do it, you do it for everybody. You don't just artificially do it for quote unquote the greatest match of all time that's fair um but yeah i didn't have any super strong feelings about it but it was definitely artificial i had stronger feelings about the actual wrestlers in the crowd who would probably be the first to complain about fan reaction and fans not really doing what they're supposed to be doing and then they get out there and they're just doing the same thing fans like always do and doing the this is awesome and you deserve it and I have to think bullshit. that that comes from on high. I mean, it just has to because the you deserve a chant. I'm I'm on record as saying I hate it. I think it's the worst one because I don't like it when fans break kayfabe. I don't like the you fucked up chants. I don't like you deserve it chants because saying you deserve it, of course, if, if you're talking, you know, kayfabe style, you're talking about style. you're talking about somebody who earned it. They don't deserve it. They earned it because they won the match. I, I'm, I'm kind of with Zach. I came in with super low expectations, 
and they exceeded those expectations. For me, I watched everything except for the Viking Raiders Street Profits thing because I watched it going in late, and I'm just not going to sit through WWE comedy for 15 minutes. I'm just I'm just not going to do it. Like I value, you know, I you you can say for a guy who watches as much wrestling as I do a week that saying that I value my time is kind of a it's kind of a joke, but I value my time too much to watch that shit because I, I haven't watched any of it because I don't want to see a, a talented young tag team in the Street Profits and one of the most badass tag teams of all time that have some of my favorite tag team matches of all time, War Machine. I'm not going to see them reduced to shitty Vince comedy, so I fast forwarded through it. For me, this this pay-per-view was about two matches, and it was Edge and Orton and McIntyre and Lashley, you know, Asuka works, Asuka works her ass off and her and Jax had a pretty okay match. I mean, Asuka did what she could with Nia Jax. Asuka is obviously a mega talent. Edge versus Orton was legitimately great. Like, and uh, Jason can say that Orton or Jason or Tinder can say that Orton only wrestles when he's motivated. That's fine. Orton trolls fans all the time by having boring matches. If he's bored, he has boring matches because he thinks it's funny. Jason's right. When he's motivated, he can have a great match. This was a really well put together story from front to back that it had it had movements in it. I I loved this match. Um, it was the match they should have had at WrestleMania. You know, when we were building up the WrestleMania and we were talking about what's the main event going to be, this is the match that we were talking about should have been the main event. It should have been Orton and Edge going 35 or 40 minutes or however the fuck long they went. They went a long time. And that's the best match Lashley, that's the best match I've ever seen Lashley have. I mean, is there another Lashley yeah, match sure. that looked that where it was that much fun and he was doing that much stuff? I, I, yeah, but it's just not under the WWE umbrella. Right. I know he had. I know he had a good TNA run, but that's the best WWE. I, I didn't really watch much of it to be honest. But that's the best match I've ever seen Bobby Lashley have. What do you think about that, Jason? Uh, I'll go with Lashley first. This is the Lashley that I think people were waiting for when he came over. I was waiting for when he came over. I don't know if it's too little, too late. Maybe we can get. Lashley versus Brock at some point um, before Brock comes back and takes the title again. But I agree with you. In under the WWE umbrella, this is the best that Lashley's ever looked, first or second stint. Zach, going back to Randy. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say Zach. No, go ahead. Uh, your your history with WWE. Did you were you even around during Lashley's first run? No, the first time I knew of Lashley was whenever I started watching again you know when basically maybe a year before we started the podcast so i i never understood like why he wasn't a bigger deal in wwe though because he ticks all the boxes for vince except for one and i think we know what that one is mm. but <laughs> i mean he's an, he's, an, he's an amazing body guy he is a great looking dude uh and he's a shooter right like i mean yeah i don't he, understand it he had he has mma experience you know, uh, Jason, what were you going to say? Uh, Back to Orton. Just on, no, just on Randy Orton. I hear what you're saying on. I think part of the problem is that they did the matches out of order. This should have been the first match. Last man standing match should have been the second match. Totally agree. Fine. Okay, now. 
But once again, this if you line up five of Randy Orton's best matches, if you want to throw this match in there, that's fine too. But I'm telling you, Orton is a good, dare I say, great wrestler when he wants to turn it on. I have a problem with how Orton has been looked upon coming up to this point. I kind of have a, I'm surprised that, Bill, that you liked it considering the length of time because this felt about the same length of time that the last man standing match, and that was one of your biggest arguments against that, but uh, neither here nor there. I'll tell you why, though. Be, be, I'll let you finish after this. The, the last man standing match is I, – I, I've always hated last man standing matches because it's just guys – Kick punch, kick punch. Then they walk to a spot. Then they do a then they do a little spot that's outside the ring. And then it's kick punch, kick punch, kick punch. This match actually had a bunch of psychology, and the story they were telling was that man, these guys know each other so well, and there were counters to counters, and they were like trying to outsmart each other. That's the kind of stuff I want to watch. It was a it was a well put together match, and I know we talk about how well a story is told within the ring all the time. This was actually a great story that I enjoyed quite a bit. They were doing each other's moves. They were doing other people's moves. I thought I thought it was I thought it was a ton of fun. You can tell they put a lot of time into mapping the match out. In the I'd say it's at least like three times as good as that last man standing match. It was oh, way better. Oh, at least. At least. Okay, Jason, go ahead. Um I'll just say this. I just have a problem with how Orton has been looked upon coming up to this point, and now all of a sudden, I guess, last man standing match excluded. Now, you know, he's a great wrestler. You know, all this accolades are being showered upon him when, for me, he's always been this guy. And I just, like I said, being on the bandwagon, it's kind of getting crowded up in this Joker, and I'm kind of wondering where everybody's coming from. I guess that's the best way I can describe it. So you're talking about fan reaction to it? Very much so, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, Yeah, I'm not even talking, like, I'm not talking about fan reaction. I have a problem with Orton doing the shit that Orton does. I mean, I thought everybody it's did. like but, saying the N-word on Xbox Live? Yeah, like, you know, I mean, that's... <laughs> I mean, that's not quite as bad as just having boring matches, but, I mean, that's pretty bad, too. Um, hey, he looked back, and he's now, you know, seen the air of his ways. You know, he's hashtagging BLM, like everybody else. Yeah, he seemed pretty genuine about that cool, too, which I thought was cool. Like, yeah, he yeah. did. He, I mean, listen, we can't, you know, those of us that believe that we're correct, we can't fault people for coming around late. We just have to kind of welcome it, welcome them into the yeah. fold, you know. Um, he totally did it like unprompted. You know what I mean? It wasn't like you know. That's the only thing I, I would give him credit for is that it this felt more sincere and genuine versus saying of Mike Gundy that's now being forced to the carpet. <laughs> you don't apologize. You know, all hell is ready to break loose. I know Zach doesn't know who Mike Gundy is, but he's the head coach of Oklahoma State, and man, his apologies have been. Borderline hilarious. Like they look like they look like he's in a hostage video. They're so funny. Um, let's uh, let's uh, let's. I don't have anything else to say about this. Do you guys? No, no not really. Good. Let's do that. Two count. One, two, three. Two beer. What's the two count? Uh, two count. Um, I don't want to sound racist, but Japanese wrestling rules. 
<laughs> Fucking rules, man. Oh my god, Reunited it's so good. And, <laughs> so good. Yeah, and you think uh you're like, ah, it's gonna be empty arena, you know, we've been watching a bunch of empty arena. And you know what? Like it almost doesn't matter. And I think part of it has to do with the fact that New Japan always presents this as like a sporting event. So it's like a real deal sporting event. It's almost more like uh UFC or something like that, where it's like UFC without fans is fine boxing without fans is fine it's not like ideal but it's like it's still okay and um it's hard hitting you can hear the slaps they're really laying it in um and it just seemed good and overall too i just want to say like it is very refreshing to see a company especially a wrestling company that is putting like people over profits and they're very responsible about the way that they're going back to this thing um you know they're whereas wwe you're not allowed in the building if you want to wear a mask like they have like new japan is like forcing everyone to wear masks and also like if you even before covid like whenever you're in like a new japan audience like there's all kinds of people wearing masks it's like the polite thing to do if you have a cold yeah it's, it's the like, polite thing to do in japanese culture be, to not if you have a cold it like whenever i used to see it i always thought that people that they were just being like you know, hypochondriacs or something, but then I discovered recently that, no, they're just being polite. Yeah. So, yeah, just get off my soapbox now, but it was really nice to see Japanese wrestling back, and uh, we just had uh, some really good wrestling matches, you know, some better than others, but uh, New Japan Cup, like we said, single elimination tournament, do a quick rundown of results. We had Togi Makabe uh, beat Yoda Suji. I would have liked to have seen Suji go over, but, you know, he's a young lion. Uh, so definitely no upset there. Uh, Yano and Jado in the worst match. Match of, of the year the candidate. Match of the year oh candidate. Oh, my God. I, I can see, like, Jason just turning <laughs> over, like, just, just freaking I'm rolling out. over my own grave. I'm trying yeah, to get him worked up thing, here. It was so bad. Uh, but, you know, it's because Yano is a comedy guy and there's no fans, and they totally did a comedy match with no fans, and Jado, you know, can't move at all, so... Um, you know, we had a four man, you know, some mixed tag to break it up. It's going to be mostly singles matches though, which is cool. Um, and then Takahashi beat Hanma in a much better match than I anticipated. And Ishii and El Desperado had a really good match and Ishii went over, which is super cool. Cause we're going to get Ishii and Hiromu in like the next round. So, oh my God, that sounds. Uh, what was, what was your favorite match out of those four? Mine was Ishii Desperado. I, I thought it was fucking For great. sure. It was the main event, and it should have been. It was really good. Yeah, the Hanma-Takahashi match I also enjoyed because they were telling the story about how they both had neck injuries and how Hanma really doesn't have it anymore, but, like, how he kept fighting back. So I appreciated yeah, then, like, that. Uh, Takahashi, like, DVD'd him on the goddamn apron. Like, yeah. Oh, well, these guys both have neck injuries. Like, right. Man, I'm going to take this much bigger guy. And <laughs> Jason, what did you think about night one? No, Hanma-Takahashi uh, for me was – my biggest takeaway from night one, like you said, it was, you just didn't know how this, how they were going to book this match. And they, they made it feel like Harmon was, could have took this match at a couple of different points or whatever the case may be. And I think that kind of mentality spilled over to night two. And now that's probably going to be uh, the men's mentality moving forward. But um, no, the matches were good. I, I like the fact that they took, uh, you know, whatever it felt like 20 
30 minutes to disinfect the ring, the apron, the ropes, the whole shebang. I'm not going to jump on the same two beer soapbox, you know, people over profits. But that to me was the second biggest takeaway is that for New Japan to go this extra step and maybe not have six, seven, eight hard matches, have five or six, and then, to, you know, in between have a little intermission where you, you can disinfect the, the ring and all that other good stuff and take care of the, the people and the wrestlers as well. So, yeah, Hamid Takahashi was the biggest takeaway, but the disinfecting of the ring, uh, literally watching them do it was the second. Yeah, to piggyback off of what Zach said about how it maybe doesn't even matter, it's like New Japan also keeps the stands really dark. You know, so the crowd isn't as much of a part of the show. Like, it's definitely focused on the wrestlers. And the other part is the camera shots are definitely more centered on the ring. You don't really have, in New Japan, they don't have that wide shot that gets, uh, like, all the grandstands in the background. So, anyway, uh, night two, what you got, Two Beer? Night two, we had Taiji Ishimori uh, beating Gabriel Kidd. Again, not an upset, Gabriel Kidd definite talent but a young lion right now Ishimori's established Same I like what I Kanemaru. saw Gabriel Kidd oh yeah uh, he's he's really good mm-hmm. um, I don't know I don't remember if he would have had a shot in this tournament before COVID or not I, I, I don't think so um, but he is really talented um, and same thing with Kanemaru and Yuya Yurimura. Uh you know again no upset there Maybe it was like all those Yoda Suji, Yuya Yurimura matches that I watched last year where like they went to draws like <laughs> 20 something times in a row. But I'm like such a huge fan of those two guys that I was really hoping. Not a big guy. Forgot about that. Not a big Suji guy. I was going to say, Yurimura, I like. I think Gabriel Kidd is like the sec- second best young lion. Suji, I'm just not a fan of. He just doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, I mean, out of all of them, like he probably is like fourth. I'd say he's he's like a bigger, bigger guy like Rinderita and those guys are going to be way bigger stars. But right. Um, and then we had another nice mixed tag, you know, just to break things up. Nothing to really talk about, um, though, you know, good to see some guys. But other than that, um, then we had the best match of the week in any pay-per-view and any promotion, like by a country mile. I'm from the country, so we're just going by a country mile. Um <laughs> Yuji Nagata and Minoru Suzuki and I would call this an upset because I think a lot of people would have had Suzuki maybe even just in hopes that we would get another Suzuki Okada which we are not going to get we're going to get Nagata Okada in the second round um, but these guys just beat the shit out of each other and it was awesome like this was like I mean it was the towards the end of night two but the, this was the moment I was like happy that New Japan was back and then like this is when I was like, New Japan is back. Guys. It was great. You know, like, it was so good. Yeah. 20 minutes, these guys just beat the shit out of each other. And it was also kind of a testament. Like, I was wondering, you know, does Nagata still have it? You know, like, he's on the tail end of his career. Um, total legend. Uh, not necessarily in America. He was kind of a jobber in America. But, you know, total legend in Japan. And uh, he's, he's still got it. And Suzuki's just the greatest. Uh, oh, God, I love him. Um, and then Okada Ghetto. Of course, it has to be the main event because Okada's in it. But Jesus Christ, this thing could have been 10 minutes. It could have been 12 minutes faster. Um, I just, 
this is like torturous. Like very rarely am I watching a New Japan match and I'm like, please just end it. Um, only cool thing is that uh, Okada's got a new finisher and uh, he's doing like the Cobra Clutch or the um, what else you call it? Million Dollar Dream or mm-hmm. there's all kinds of non WWE names I can't think of right now, but um, looks like uh, Okada's got a new finisher and that's cool. I do like it how I did like the match because it doesn't seem like Okada always seems like very stoic. He never, his character is like always kind of on point and never lets emotion get the best of him. But his character, you can tell, actually hates Ghetto. Whether it's because of Jay White or because Ghetto used to be, he used to be Okada's manager way back when. During during his greatest run, during the greatest championship run of my lifetime, Ghetto was Okada's manager. Jason, what do you think of night two? Um... I don't have a huge problem with the Okada match. Um, the finisher, he did use that finisher. Um, I guess that was leading up to one of the Naito matches or whatever. I think that was leading towards Wrestle Kingdom like a couple years ago. I think um, Koji Clutch, something along those lines. So, I mean, it wasn't the first time he used it. It's just been a while since he brought that back up but I mean it's nice to see that it's not just always going to be the rainmaker now you got to look for something else so that's cool that he's bringing that back up into his arsenal um Suzuki and Nagata I'm glad that two beers said it because I said it on Twitter that I thought it felt like an upset and now as you said it now feels like I have a little more you know leg to stand on with it I haven't seen much of Nagata since I started watching New Japan, whether it's three, four years ago, basically the length of the time of the podcast. Um, so I haven't gone back and seen any of his older matches. So for me, he feels like the veteran that's, you know, getting ready to go off into the sunset. So to see this kind of match and then to have him go over, it's, it's what New Japan is, especially in a tournament format. You look for the upset, and sooner or later, it'll happen. It's just it's probably not where you think it's going to be. It just The first two nights were just a, a good reminder of why I like New Japan, and it's just good to have it back. Oh, it's the best. Um, coming up on the 22nd, I guess if this were the World Cup, you would consider this part of the bracket the group of death because we have Tanahashi, Taichi, Ibushi, Sabre Jr., Taguchi, Sanada, Sho, and Shingo Takagi, all in one bracket. So, I mean, that's, I mean, really, I mean, outside chance, but I could see four of, four people in that, four out of those eight people getting to the finals, at least. Tanahashi, Ibushi, Sanado, and, Sanada, sorry, and Shingo, right? I mean, Shingo would be a big-time underdog story, but I could see it happen, right? No, let's not go that far. I mean, that's Shingo two belts we're talking about now. So, I mean, it's it. I don't even consider that an underdog story. I mean, okay, Ibushi, but could you see him getting to the finals? They've they've made a run with him before, best of the Super Juniors. So I mean, right. it's not beyond the realm of possibility. Sonata, I can see a, him. I can see him taking it. Yeah, I really do. I could uh, see any four of those guys taking much, it. Yeah, I said there wasn't much of note in the mixed tag, but there actually kind of was because they were very much kind of pushing uh, Zack Sabre Jr. and Taichi versus 
Tanahashi and Ibushi for like the tag belts. So I think maybe at Dominion, like that'll be a match. So I can see that removing Tanahashi and Ibushi from that side um, if that's the direction that they're going. Crazy part about that is I haven't watched New Japan so long in so long. I forgot they were the tag champs. Oh, me too. Me too. I felt like I totally felt bad about it, but I'm like, oh man, I was like, it was like put a big smile on my face when they came out with those belts. I hadn't watched New Japan in so long that I almost forgot Jason's password, but then I came up with it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Bottom line, it's good to have New Japan wrestling back. I didn't know how much I missed it, but man, I really missed it, and I'm glad it's here. See, uh, see what I'm saying? <clears throat> if you have good matches, you don't need fans. If the fans for New Japan come up in spots, they don't. It, it's not like they. It's not like they need to be a part of the match itself. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, like we're all three in in agreement, and uh, people might be sick of us saying it, but I mean, it's the it's the best. New Japan wrestling is the best. I mean, b- bottom line. Uh, we got to keep it moving unless there's any final thoughts. No, no we're good. I'm good. All right, let's get to that three count. One, two, three. All right, the Wednesday Night Wars, uh, I wouldn't say they had an off night, but um, I definitely – so we'll just which, – which one would you rather start with? I'll let, I'll let Zach choose. Which one do you want me to start with? Uh, I'd say AW is a better show. Mm-hmm. Um, gener- in general speaking, NXT was a main roster show, and we mm-hmm. all know much how I love the main roster. Uh, so, I'll t- I thought the exact same thing, and you and I weren't texting back and forth last night or anything. I thought that NXT was a main roster show, um, even if AEW was really heavy on the wrestling, but which is always good. It just Nah, not a whole lot happened. Uh, we had Omega and Paige versus the Natural Nightmares. The finish was never really in question there. Uh, it was a fun match. They kicked off another Dynamite with a really good 10, 12-minute, I would say, match. Uh, uh, Omega and Paige won. Any thoughts on this, guys? Yeah, I mean, you said it. Like Another great opening match on Dynamite, like pure wrestling. Uh QT Marshall threw a amazing drop kick. I don't know if anybody saw that, but it was like it was not quite Okada worthy. But I'd say it was Randy Orton, like who has a really nice drop kick. I'd put it up there. Um, Jason Anna J. Unless you have anything to say about Natural Nightmares losing to Omega Page, Jason. Uh, Allie and QT Marshall is the story coming out of this for me. Just I'm waiting for Allie to put the knife in his back. Anna J versus Abaddon. Uh, Abaddon making her AEW debut. This is exactly the type of wrestling character that I can't fucking stand. Like the horror character that looks like she's uh, at like some Halloween haunted house and like she's getting paid eight bucks an hour to dress up and look like shit and not scare anybody. Um, I'm not even going to ask you guys opinion on that. That's going to be the end of that. Uh, and then dark order comes out and doesn't even <laughs> dark order comes out and doesn't even try to get her. They come and try to get Anna J. Anyway, I will ask you guys. Thoughts Anna about J it. Lost. I know, but any thoughts all about losers, anything I know uh, her look is, uh, I think it, I think it give her a little bit more credit. It's very unique. Um, and it's striking, right? Like, it was like I was taken aback, right? She did a really good job 
with her makeup and she was super dominant and I would I didn't expect her to be so dominant because it seems like they're really behind Anna Jay because to put it um, in a PC way Anna Jay is very marketable <laughs> yeah. very marketable woman <laughs> yes <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll keep I'll keep it oh, in hell no more so of like a kayfabe uh, thought process. If you're gonna have a cult, you need male and female members. Anna J makes sense to for her to lose this match. Both of them get over. Abaddon gets over because she's now signed, and now she comes out looking strong. Anna J gets over because now she's gonna be the first member, a female member of the Dark Order. Go ahead. They better not put a mask on her though. Mm, yeah. Well, yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let that play itself out first before I go unless it's far. like a really tight latex match. Okay. Anyway. Hey, we had uh, Billy Gunn making his in ring. Is that his in ring? No, it's not his in ring debut for no. AEW. But uh, he hasn't fought in a while. Billy Gunn. Uh, you guys probably remember him from Billy and Chuck. I mean, I like I can't think of anything else that he was in. Um, Billy Gunn versus MJF. MJF. I feel like they're not striking while the iron is hot with MJF. Like, I understand that they're having him beat these old guys. It just feels like they're not doing enough with him. Am I wrong in that? Is this just a? Is this just because we watch every single week? Zach? Um, Jason? I'm, I'm saying I see your point, but at this stage, it's either Moxley or Bust. I don't think you want to pull the trigger on that just yet. We've seen him and Cody. We could do it again if you want to. But a title match is the next step. It's just, on one hand, we've seen it. On the other hand, is it too early? So a holding pattern kind of makes sense. All right, that's fair. I mean, I'm probably just getting anxious on it. Uh, any thoughts on that, I Zach? I you know, I'm I'm patient with it as well because I don't think we need to rush in Jeff. I'll I'll be patient, but I will say something that I don't think a lot of people talk enough about. Uh, everybody knows MJF as a character and as a mega talent and as a superlative like Roddy Roddy Piper type. Uh, he is really good wrestler though. I just got to put that out there. Like he's, he's gotten really better. He's gotten better. I will give you that. I like the fact that he's got a submission I finisher. Think, I, I think, think I... heals. I think I said this after the last pay-per-view though that he's really good if he's in some if he's in the ring with somebody who has more experience. Like yeah, he's not going to carry a match. Like, I know that you guys I know that you guys love that Jungle Jack Perry versus him match at the last pay-per-view which it wasn't my favorite, but I mean with a guy like Billy Gunn yeah, he, he's going to look great because Billy Gunn knows how to work a fucking match. I mean, the guy's been working well, he, matches for 35 years. Here's the thing about MJF. He's an old-school wrestler. Yeah, uh, he is. He he does things like the abdominal stretch, and he does things like reach over to the top rope when the referee's not looking, which I haven't seen in 20 years. You right. know what I mean? Like, yep. And I love. So, like, this guy's watching tapes from before he was born and learning from guys, like, before he was born, and that's that's – you know kind of that analytical take on like the actual like performance of pro wrestling that's what i appreciate out of him because he's not athleticism even though he's an athlete he's not pure body even though he's got a good physique uh and the most punchable face in the world anyway, he's got a punchable a he's talk. got a punchable face uh, a lot of people talk about his ring or his, his mic work but i just don't think enough said about his ring work i forgot to i'm flipping through my notes here i forgot to add that on backlash predictions 
Zach had a perfect week. He picked Ooh, he picked yes. everything correctly and picked uh, Bailey and Sasha to uh, as the most likely to win. So Zach is on a hot streak. Ladies See, and gentlemen, it's just pick. making me feel more induced not to fucking watch WWE programming next week. <laughs> yeah, right. Like yep. you could, like you could stop watching it. Uh, Rick, <laughs> Ricky Starks, Ricky Starks. Uh, they they brought in the NWA TV title holder. I don't know if he's currently the NWA TV title holder, he but not. he was. Uh, he faced off Cody. Against Cody in the open challenge, it was a fun match. Uh, when Ricky Starks got to the ring, you could see a like a, a literal tear running down his cheek. I this I, was his tryout match. Yeah, it was. It, and he and he did great. And when I watch matches like that, I'm nervous for the guy. Even though I know that everything's predetermined, I'm nervous for the guy to come through, and. He wasn't supposed to be crying down the ring. Like that was a genuine thing, and it was re- it was really nice to see. He looked great. Um, I I thought it was a really fun match. What you think, Zach? Uh, yeah, it was exactly what a television title match should be. It really got both guys over. Cody's already over. He went over, uh, but Ricky Starks really got to showcase his stuff, and he really came across as a star. And um, I said this was his tryout match, and apparently. But it wasn't even halfway through the match. Uh, the guys in the back, like Tony Khan and like Matt and them, had already decided like they're signing him, and like they gave him his contract as soon as he got back. Nice. And so he's, oh, nice. He's AEW, and not only did they just sign him, like they have a program for him. Like they're like, here's your contract, and here's what you're gonna do. I don't know what that program is. Uh, I think I think I I think it got leaked. I think he's uh, joining the Dark Order, and he's gonna wear a mask. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, Young Bucks versus they took the death out of the name. Oh, I'm sorry, Jason. Anything about Ricky Starks? Uh, no, I think Zach answered the basic question. I said between uh, AEW or Impact, those were the two thoughts that I thought those two places I thought he would land. If it's AEW, apparently it is. Great, congratulations, Ricky Starks. I think he'll be a great TNT champion at some point. Hopefully, a, a world champion somewhere down the line. Yeah, uh, what you think about the Young Bucks versus the Super Bad Squad instead of the Super Bad Death Squad? Which is um, just keep the, the death was, in there, guys. The, the, yeah, right. The match was good, but then that I think this is where they're trying to do a little too much with FTR and Young Bucks. Anything you can do, I can do better. Bringing in the Butcher and the Blade, I think you overbooked it a little too much at the end. The match itself is good. I, I like the fact that. Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc are kind of being rewarded for helping AEW through the pandemic. They put these guys together in a situation where I didn't think it would last. And now, you know, three months later, they're still together and they're both kind of getting over. So, I mean, kudos for them. But I think the end of the match, bringing in more tag teams just felt overbooked. Man, I said this. I I I really like what Kip Sabian brings to to the table. What do you think, Zach? Are you talking about Penelope Ford? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Uh, okay, uh, we'll move on to the main event, which is the Sex Gods versus uh, Best Friends. I love how Sammy Guevara brings the mic down to the ring and <laughs> and sings Jericho and sing Fozzie's terrible song 
terribly. Like I just Can you put sing in the quotation marks. <laughs> I just, I love it so much. I think that we talked about Sammy Guevara is really coming into his own. Zach, what do you think? Absolutely. No, I, that's that's my number one takeaway. And the fact that Matt Hardy was on commentary specifically to get Sammy Guevara even more over. Yeah. Um, they obviously recognize uh, the star that he's becoming. And, it you know, we, we say it every week, but I just uh, I really wonder, you know, about fan reaction. Right. Because that guy's not getting booed. You mean when the fans come back, you're right. Sammy Guevara is yeah. going to get he's uh, and unless people unless people really play along and live by you know BFR three four, chapter three verse fourteen boo the heels like you're right he's going to get cheered. Uh, sometimes the savvier fans will will boo him. I don't think that would have been the case ten years ago. But the best friends are now officially the number one contenders for the title at fighter fest and they set up that orange cassidy is officially fighting jericho at fighter fest which we could have seen coming a mile away but as we always say or as i always say predictable is not necessarily bad we'll move on to wednesday night war or we'll move on to nxt uh we had imperium versus brazongo it kind of turned into a tag team schmaz at the end imperium ended up going over when i was sitting there watching the beginning of both shows and i was flipping back and forth and i was like which one am i gonna watch now listen i love tyler breeze i love fandango and i think imperium is great but when you have brizongo come out and fandango's wearing a wig and they're called instead of imperium they're called emporium and it's just comedy. It's like I'm I'm just not going to gravitate gravitate towards the comedy part of the wrestling because the comedy in wrestling is the wrestling itself. That's kind of the way that I feel. Like you don't need to have comedy wrestling unless you're Yano. Like he's the only one that I absolutely fucking love. Oh, by the way, fuck Yano. I'm sorry, I missed that. But um, like the comedy is already there. So I instantly went back to AEW. What you do, Jason? This is, and we all kind of pre, prefaced it by coming in, this is main roster booking. They've used this, I guess, booking angle three straight weeks in a row, the week before in your house, the week after with Gargano and Candice LeRae, uh, Keith Lee and Mia Yim, and then last night as well, where you have a match and then you bring in other people to have a schmoz like Bill would say, and then to set up other matches. Okay, look, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But, I mean, it's three straight weeks in a row in the opening segment. Listen, I'm a high motherfucker. I smoke all day, every day. Even I can see that this is now a fucking pattern, okay? This is a problem. This is why NXT might be in a little bit of trouble because now we're sleeping, we're seeping into patterns of this looks like main roster, undisputed therapy. Another that felt like a um, audition tape. Oh for the my main god, roster. it really did. Can we be funny. If, do you think this is funny? So I mean, yeah, that that's my biggest takeaway from that. Zach, you want to shit on it, or do you want me to shit on it? Uh, you can. I will just say that it is obvious that Vince has taken an interest in NXT uh, between 
the patterns, like you mentioned, and that we now had a vomit finish. Oh! Yeah. Man, and the other thing I want to bring up, you know, I mean, it's, it really sucks because NXT, as we're going to talk about here, where we're at in the NXT TakeOver Do-Over, we haven't even gotten to where it really gets great yet, but it's getting ready to. But the Imperium versus Brazongo and then having Birch and Lorcan come in, and Birch and Lorcan are guys that I like watching work. I'm not, I'm not sure they should hold the belts or anything, but I do like it when they're in there. I think Oni Lorcan is a really fun guy to watch. And then you have Enda Share, who have barely done anything. And we talk about this shit every single week. They've barely done anything. And then you have the Schmaz. Imperium, Brazongo, Birch Lorcan, Enda Share. As much as I love a lot of a lot of workers there, that's a sad state of NXT tag teams. It just is. It's like it's it's Birch and Lorcan have always been jobbers. Into Share have never done anything. Brazongo just came back. They might be great workers, but they have no wins. And then you have Imperium, who are great, obviously. But that's a sad state of affairs for NXT tag teams. I'm gonna scroll through a bunch of this shit because we have more stuff to talk to, uh, more stuff to talk about. Damian Priest uh, beat Killian Dane. There, are, there is word that Damian Priest is going up to the main roster. Um, I did like the Timothy Thatcher vignette. I don't know if you guys did the Undisputed Era shit. I just I can do without that comedy. It's it's so it's it's the worst part of the Attitude Era is stuff like that, and that is Attitude Era. Like with uh, Kyle O'Reilly dressed up in the Irish hat or the Kroger, and he's the therapist. I hated it. The big news coming out of it is that Keith Lee and Gargano and Finn Balor are going to fight in a Bill Vegas special next week, a triple threat for the North American title. Whoever wins that match is going to fight Adam Cole on July 8th on NXT in a winner-takes-all champion versus champion match. What do you think is going to happen there, Jason? Well, first things first, um, I think this is a horrible fucking idea if they go through and have a single champion. Now, that said... um, Keith Lee smashing the hourglass leads me to believe that he retains, but they did say that there were three weeks in between the um, North American title match and then the champion versus champion match. Somehow in those three, in that intermediate time, Kieran Cross gets the title from Keith Lee. And then you have Cross versus Adam Cole, and this is saying that they do go through with it, which I just looked on Twitter, and Vince McMahon is now officially being trumped as a part of NXT. This smells like Vince. If you wanted to do Karrion Cross and have a one champion, that's what I think is going to happen. So somehow, Karrion Cross gets the North American title and then goes off and beats Adam Cole. Zach, what do you think? Keep, talk- like somebody keep talking. I got to pee. It's like somebody in NXT just watched New Japan for the first time, like six oh. months ago, New Japan for the first time. And they're like, oh, yeah, look at this. You felt unification angle. Like, why don't we do that? Okay. And, and no, go ahead. 
I was going to say, I don't think it's a great idea for NXT. I think for the timing and for the story and for the person that Tetsuya Naito is, it was perfect. It was great. Um, to just do it uh, as a way to drum up interest because AEW has a big show coming up. They have Fighter Fest coming up. Like That's like the only reason this is happening. It's like a knee-jerk reaction. This is not a thoughtful careful story that takes into account the integrity of your titles and the the talent and anything it's just we need something to win and that's it it's like a it's a band-aid and it's annoying no as you can already say that's the first thing i thought when i saw uh i saw the spoil on twitter or whatever about the double champion i'm like man see that's some new japan shit right there first and foremost but then I was like, okay, but let's say they actually do pull the trigger. Okay, so you're going to have one singles champion, men's and women's, and one set of tag team champions with the women's championship kind of going in rotation. Now, if you're going to do that, you might as well just make this a scenario where anybody can go anywhere because then there's guys like NXT big card guys um, – if Damian Priest stays, because I, I think he stays, but if he goes, he goes. But just I'm using him as the example. It feels like they're they're flipping him face. But if there's no NXT North American title, I mean, for him, it's the championship or bust. It shouldn't have to be that way. Gradually build him up, give him the U.S. title, give him the uh, you know the Intercontinental Championship. It feels if you do it like that, then. If you wanted to do a double champion and have a double champion on NXT, okay, so be it. But it it just feels like it's for that roster, it doesn't make sense because there's a hand it's top loaded again. Stop thinking about this logically be- though. Like why are you thinking about it logically? You gotta think about it in because WWE. That's what I do. <laughs> what do you think about Santos Escobar putting Drake through a table? Um, I was happy that actually he landed on the table. It looked like he, looked like he almost table. missed it. I mean, it's looked like he could have killed him. Yeah, I, I really for the knee jerk reaction is I thought he missed the table, and then the replay I saw he, he clipped the tail end of it. I'll tell you what, it's Santos Escobar has a, over as a baby face. That's all. Santos Escobar, Santos Escobar has a great look and a great name. I'm a fan of his. Um, we don't really have to talk about the tag team match at the end, do we? Uh, I like it. Yeah, I was going to say Sasha and Bailey retain. I like it too. I said girls, but I just, I meant like women, but you know, I say girls like Shotzi Blackheart and Tegan Knox, like they're, they're more, they're younger and more untested, but, uh, like, I think that, uh, they look pretty good and this is like what I want to see. This is like, they're finally giving Bailey and Sasha like the freedom to do what they want with these tag titles. And this is the kind of thing that they wanted to do. And I'm all for it. A lot more Bailey and Sasha to come up in our next segment. That's going to do it for our three counts. One, two, three. All right, guys, it's time for our takeover do over, which we skipped last week because there was an actual takeover. But this week we're talking about NXT takeover. Respect. From October 7th, 2015, Uh, this pay-per-view is the first one that I can remember somebody saying to me, 
at the bar or wherever, hey, did you watch that pay-per-view? Did you watch that NXT TakeOver? Did you watch Bailey versus Sasha Banks in the Iron Man match? Um, and really, to me, it's a one-match pay-per-view. But we're not going to start with Bailey versus Sasha Banks. We're going to start with the unlikely tag team uh, in the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Championship. The unlikely tag team who would soon have a great rivalry of Finn Balor and Samoa Joe versus the Mechanics, a.k.a. FTR, a.k.a. The Revival. Uh, Jason, what did you think about that match? Uh, it was good to see uh, The Revival, The Mechanics, Dosh and the Dash, whatever you want to call them. Uh, Two great names for tag teams, by the way. The Mechanics and The Revival are both great names. Um, Yeah, I was going to say, either one, I'd I'd have no problem with it. But uh, I I didn't necessarily think this was a great match. I thought it was good just in the sense that the bigger picture was to come with the Dusty Cup Finals. Um, It was weird seeing... Finn and Joe together as a tag team, even though I knew they were the first Dusty Cup winners, but it was just weird because, I mean, we were talking about Corbin getting such, you know, he's so over with the crowd up until pretty much this pay-per-view. I mean, Finn Balor is having a, a monster fucking year, you know, NXT champion, then ultimately they win the uh, the Dusty Cup at the end. Um, I gave it three stars. It was good, nothing great. Um, at the end of the day, I, I thought we could have been doing a little more with the revival to get him over, but I thought it was good. Three stars, huh? Yeah. I mean, I gave it two stars. Like, it was good. I don't know. There wasn't that much to write home about. It wasn't very long. Uh, Zach, did you, Zach, what did you think about the revival or the mechanics versus Finn Balor and Samoa Joe? Uh, it was really nice to see the revival wrestle because we watched this a couple weeks ago before they had like hit dynamite, or at least that's whenever I watched it. So it was like just really fun to see them back in action. Um, and it was fine. It was uh, a good tag team match. Obviously, these guys are all super talented, but it wasn't anything over the top. Uh, I had two point seven five stars. I I was out for a second there. What'd you guys give it? Uh, Jason gave it a three. I gave it a two. Ah. Uh, we, then we, next we have Baron Corbin and Rhino versus... I don't think they were called American Alpha. I think it was no, just... They just called him Jordan and Gable. Jordan and Gable, yeah. Um, this was the story of... I just, I just can't believe how underused Chad Gable is. Even to this day, even back, even back then you could see how crazy good he was. And Jason Jordan too. Like I kind of miss Jason Jordan. Is that, is that crazy for me to say? Like I'm clutching my heart right now. Like I, I kind of miss Jason Jordan. What do you think, Jason? Uh, from one Jason to another, I, you know, I, I do have a certain affinity for Jason Jordan, but he was, he was that Britt Baker irritating heel with Seth Rollins that you didn't, couldn't stand it you wanted to see him get beat here he complimented chad gable so well that you wanted to see them you know win the cup or become tag team champion so it's just 
that's why I don't call Chad Gable Shorty G for matches like this. Because you're putting respect okay. on his name? Yeah, because he was Chad Gable. He went to the goddamn Olympics. Remember that. Yeah, he's a stud. When uh, I'm, uh, This match is on right now as I'm talking. When Baron Corbin and Jason Jordan size up each other at the very beginning, it looks like the beginning of a football, like a high school football movie where the country kid comes to the city to play the city football team and like Baron Corbin's the stud on the country team and Jason Jordan's the stud <laughs> on the city team. <laughs> and like it's like the first black guy that Baron Corbin's character has ever met. Uh what do you think what do you think about this match, uh Zach? I uh thought it was fine. I was really upset. I know that they don't do like face versus face very often, especially in like a tournament situation, but if there was ever a time to do it with these like rising stars, especially like just in hindsight, like Baron Corbin and Rhino, really like that's, that's the team you're going to put over in the dusty classic. Um, I don't know. Like it was just, it would have been so cool to see American alpha go over here and then go against Balor and uh, Joe who were faces also like that would have been a really cool dynamic. So I actually knocked points off because I hated the finish so much and maybe i just got worked but I, I i see what you're saying but you might be looking at it through 2020 eyes like baron corbin oh, baron corbin was an up-and-comer and finn balor nobody knew who the fuck finn balor i mean i guess people did i didn't know who the fuck finn balor was in 2015 i thought he was i don't know you know what i mean um oscar versus dana brooke you guys want to just skip it? Best Dana Brooke match I've seen. Yeah. Mm-mm. Well, that's for sure. Oh, how many score, How many stars did you give the American Alpha match? Uh, two uh, and a half. I gave it three and a quarter. I gave it two. Uh, Asuka versus Dana Brooke. Zach, go ahead. Uh, I gave that two and a half. Like I said, it was the best Dana Brooke match I've seen. Uh Asuka obviously looked really good, but Dana Brooke, like, held her own in the match. Um, One thing that was interesting about this pay-per-view in general was, uh, you know, we're about to get to the point of all these matches are like, oh, my God, each match is better than the last, and, like, every match is a banger. It was very obvious that even with, like, the Dusty Classic and stuff, they were not interested in having anyone outshine Bailey and Sasha. This was Bailey and Sasha's night. Uh, not to jump ahead, but just generally speaking, that's why these matches were giving them kind of like ho-hum reviews and they were fine. Uh, I don't necessarily think that the talent was at that level. It was just that was what they wanted out of the night. You know, they wanted to have one great match and then eventually the takeovers become like all great matches, but we just aren't there yet. Yeah, I'll give it uh 1.75. What do you think, Jason? Uh, I gave it one and, one and a quarter stars. I mean, let's just... Dana Brooks is one of those talents that is there to be there. There ultimately is going to be no plan for Dana Brooke. I mean, if she wants to resign with WWE when her contract's up, uh, I'm sure they'll have her back because she's a warm body that can that has no problem doing the job for the company. Classic case of doing the job for the company. Nothing special. I'm just trying not to. I I got 
Sorry, I phased out when you said that Dana Brooks a warm body. I started thinking about it a little bit too much. <laughs> I, was getting, I was getting there too. Uh, I tell you what, the, the last house show that I went to, uh, Dana Brooke was on the card, and there was like a multi women match, and um, she was like having a lot of fun out there with like the other women, and like she was like kind of like she was very much like a focal point of them having like a good time out there, and I was just sitting very close, so I could I could see that like interplay. And it kind of made me like her a little bit more. And yeah. Let me like see why people like her. Like, uh, you know, you go out and you do a house show match and, you know, like whatever. But they were having a lot of fun. Yeah. She's, she, from what I gather, and it's not a whole lot, but she seems like a pretty cool person and somebody that enjoys what they do and somebody that works really hard at what they do, you know. Um, Apollo Crews versus Tyler Breeze. Uh, I I really enjoyed this match. <laughs> I think I I just fucking love Tyler Breeze, man. I love his whole get up. I I think that the I I'm on the record as saying that I think Apollo Cruz is an insane talent that they're probably not utilizing. I know he's got the U.S. title right now, but uh, I I gave this one three stars. Um, I will say this. I I agree with everything you said about Tyler Breeze. I like the fact that they at least mentioned him with the the fact that they he was old or should have been old in NXT title match. So I mean, it, they at least thought about putting the title on him. Obviously, ultimately they didn't. Um, another athletic match from Apollo Cruz, somebody that was probably brought up too early, but might be doing something now on the main roster time will tell but ultimately uh good not great i gave it two and three four stars what do you got zach three and a quarter i will echo y'all sentiments two talented dudes putting on a really good match but like nothing exceptional just like since since we started the nxt takeover duos tyler breeze has been on every single show right every one of them and he hasn't disappointed yet. No, he's been in a stand in a standout match. No, he's he's always at least made the match entertaining, and that's really all you can ask for. If it's, if it's not a title match, I just want to be entertained. Uh, and then we have Finn Balor, Samoa Joe versus Baron Corbin and Rhino for the Dusty Classic Championship. What do you guys say? Um, does that go first? Um. I gave it 2.75, my favorite part of the match. I did like how they told the story, you know, about Finn Balor, like, you know, not being smart and, like, hurting his leg. And, like, you know, they did a good job, you know, with that. But uh, my favorite part about this was the end when we saw Cody Rhodes as Cody Rhodes, right? And mm-hmm. how do you – like, I know at this time he was Stardust. Like, I wasn't watching, but, like, I know that he was Stardust and he was a, basically a cartoon character on the main roster. Were we not like, doing do the podcast see- when he was Stardust? No, uh, he was independent wrestler. Oh, I would have, um, I would have lost that bet. I would have thought that he yeah. was Stardust during the podcast. But like, how are you like a WWE executive, and you watch Cody Rhodes out there just being Cody Rhodes, and he is not that far removed from the star that we see today in that role right there. You know, talking about his dad, the Dusty Classic. Like, how do you see that and be like, yeah, let's just keep doing the cartoon thing? <laughs> like, dude, like, are you like? I just don't. I don't get it. Like they totally dropped the ball with him and 
not only did it like not hurt his career by them dropping the ball, it made him try to be better. And now they have actual legitimate competition. <laughs> like I, it's just insane to me. They could have just given him what he wanted and he's goddamn Cody Rhodes and he would have done the work and he would have been there and they could have given him a contract and he's Dusty Rhodes' son and he would have just been there. But they they spurned him, right? And I, look I, what he is now. I will say this about Cody is that when he was Stardust, him and Goldust like they held raw together for like a good six months, whether they held the tag belts or they weren't holding the tag belts, they would have these six men tag matches with them. And you know, whoever the fuck like Cena or whatever, but they would have 20 minute matches every night and him and gold dust were putting on clinics like wrestling clinics. They were so, they were like really fun to watch matches against the shield all the time. Like they fought the shield all the time. So while I get it that like let's have the card like why are you having them as a cartoon? Stardust and Goldust were a really good tag team. I'm just I, I I'll I'll die on that hill. Like I know that you're not talking shit about Cody, but man, those two together as a tag team, I really enjoyed. And maybe I'm the crazy one. Am I the I'm crazy sure one, Jason? Good. I'm sure they're nah, good, but I just I just know that Cody was was uh, destined for greater things. On, on, well, that and he was he expressed unhappiness like he. He asked repeatedly to be let out of this character, and you know they just wouldn't do it. Right. I'll, I'll say this: um, just on the match itself, I gave it three stars. I agree with Two Beer. The, I mean, the match was good, but the, you know, Cody talking and listening to him talking, you know, kind of feeling his emotion, and that, you know, I, I kind of got caught up into it a second. It, it all you had to do was not make them start us and a lot of your headaches go away instead you try to force round peg through square hole and now you got an AEW headache on your ass for the next foreseeable five to ten years give or take um that's only a part of it though i mean that's only a part of it a lot of things had to happen a lot of things had to happen but uh, but he's their biggest star and i think ultimately Getting if they can get through 2020 and not have you know major money problems, I think 2021 you'll start to get fans back into the seats and AEW will be fine again. I will agree with you, Bill, on uh, Dustin and Cody Rhodes uh, in the sense of being a good tag team. Their matches against the Shield when they finally beat the Shield and became tag team champions, that shit was a great match. It the was. The whole angle was good. The build to that match was good and it they fucking ruled paid it off right and that's when wwe is good when they do it right it's good and they know how they get you it's more times than not they're going to what we're seeing right now and for me i just can't do the over-the-top sports entertainment listen hey I'm, real quick guys I, I can't keep this white claw in my bladder anymore so you just just go ahead and i'll, I'll, I'll pop in here in a minute. okay that's fine <laughs> I, i'm just i'm just saying about like AEW, more has to happen than you pissing off Cody Ray- Rhodes. You also have to piss off John Moxley and just completely shun the Young Bucks. Like that's, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of stuff has to go into it. No, I'm not going to sit up here and disagree with that. But I mean, Moxley. Well, that, was, that was that was a joke. I was just saying that they they fucked up all sorts <laughs> of shit. Well, yeah, I mean, 
they're guys that AJ can you know was there and they came back, but ultimately WWE is going to be the place that people want to go to, and I understand. Hold that. on, wait. I'm not going. I'm, Wait a minute. Didn't Zach say that he was drinking a German beer? Uh, well, I mean... And then he just said that he know, couldn't hold the White Claw in anymore? Maybe he drank the White Claw beforehand. No. Was he drinking the White Claw or was he drinking the German beer? Or was he trying to no, show he, off he, of the German beer, and then but he was no, actually drinking the White Claw? Look, okay, this will be a discussion you can have with him when he gets back. For the record... I guess this is a family thing. <laughs> I guess this is the a, thing. I don't like White Claw, and B, he did say German beer. Now, from that point, I will let bro folks have bro folks. In. All right, let's get on to the main event, which is really, like I said, it's it's a one match pay per view, which was the Bailey versus Sasha Banks thirty man thirty minute Iron Man match. Um, Bailey ends up winning three to two. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway from this match, Jason? Um, I was kind of like blah. This is maybe the second or third time that I've seen this match, and I've had the same feeling each time. I was blah until the sixteen oh nine mark when Sasha threw Bailey into the the stairs in front of her. Oh yeah, and and the number froze, and then the whole match kind of like took on a whole nother, you know level of excitement and the level of emotion. So it now, goes like, it goes from second to fifth gear at that point. Real quick. So like Izzy's upset, you know, Sasha takes Izzy bow and now Izzy's crying, you know, so you got the little girl crying. Um Bailey takes the count. Oh, out, and, and Sasha Sasha was straight up healing on that little girl too, man. Like straight uh, up so healing on her. Good. It was I had so good. It like three times because I mean, literally, <laughs> I did you too. Couldn't, you couldn't pay for that for Izzy to cry on, you know, given moment. You know, I need you to cry. I mean, boom! It was so natural. And that's where I was like, okay, now I remember why I like this match. And from that point on, it was balls to the wall. It was a really good match. I like the first match better a little bit just because of the entrance and Brooklyn. The crowd made it feel like it was more intense. But this is just as good. Whoa. I gave it four and a quarter stars. But, I mean, you, you can't go wrong with either fucking match. Both are really fucking good. Man, that Probably is top ten of matches of at least the NXT women's um, roster that I've ever seen. That is exactly what I gave it. Is four and a quarter. Um, I can't believe that you like the first one better. Like the like I, the the first ten minutes of this match are kind of sloppy. Like they're not necessarily good, and then like like you said, it gets going and gets going, and then at a certain point, it really kicks into high gear. The fan the fans were great. The crowd was incredible. They were chanting the whole time. There's some stuff I wish they wouldn't chant. I wish they would just. At a certain point, I wish they, of course, this was five years ago. Stop treating it like, uh, like they're doing you a favor by watching you women fight like women's wrestling it's like yeah i get it and everything why don't you just treat like a wrestling match this was a long time ago though 
Sasha really heals it up on that little girl, though, man. <laughs> it was fucking incredible. Zach, what'd you think? Yeah, I actually kind of agree with Jason. I I like Brooklyn more. Um, and maybe that's son a... son of a bitch. I know, right? <laughs> maybe that's a preference on the Iron Man style where... I mean, this was a great Iron Man match. It's almost like a perfect Iron Man match. Like, the way that they... Almost. Almost. Almost perfect. The way that it ended. The way that, yeah. The way it ended Where she taps, like, you know, taps with just a few seconds left, like... Yeah. And then all the fanfare and the flowers and everything, like, that was very, very cool, like, very touching. Uh, But the... Yeah, I actually get the exact same rating. I have four and a quarter, which is crazy. You know who else had it four and a quarter? Who? Meltzer. Huh. And I remember when it I remember when Meltzer gave this four and a quarter, people that hadn't seen it yet were like, he's out of his mind. There's no way that a women's match could be four and a quarter. But I mean, this was really I remember this being the match that kind of signified what was quote unquote the women's revolution. Because yeah, and- and let me just, I'll just say this, and I get what you're saying, you know, the women's wrestling chant is, you know, not necessarily one of the better ones. It's kind of condescending. Kinda remember what we've been, WWE has been introducing us to bra and panties matches and, you know, mud wrestling and all this other nonsense. They treated this like this was a big deal. It was the main event. It's an Iron Man match for the title. I mean, you couldn't have any more chips in the middle if you if you wanted to so i mean and if, yeah it if was I, a big fucking deal and this is october if i'm not mistaken the takeover before wrestlemania this year is a rematch between these two and that's really supposed to be the or is this the one I'm, no i think it is i think it's well, I guess we'll find out. I mean, if if we if if it's not next week, it'll be the week after it, but um this so basically what bill's saying is that we're not supposed to stand outside our polling places this november and say black men voting (laughs) (laughs) white people getting it (laughs) (laughs) i do uh i do like i said before this whole this whole show is built around this match and it delivered, and I I do want to say overall, not necessarily just about this match, but uh, I feel like Barry Bailey is a very unique talent, and I, I really appreciate her. I've always been a Bailey fan. I've always been a hugger, and I think she's doing a really good job right now too, um, given the hand that she's dealt, you know, with no fans and having this, you know, relatively like new heel persona. Um, I think uh, she's really owning it. And why I is this gap? She's my woman wrestler of the year so far. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, these, I mean, really, when you think about it, because Sasha and Bailey have been fighting for so long and they're still so inextricably tied to each other that they're kind of like the women's version of Sammy and Kevin Owens. For sure. Absolutely. You know, only they've been, they've been more on than off where I feel like Sammy and Kevin are like always off. Right. And they uh, have the, they have the old indie thing too, but there's nothing else for us to fall back on. In terms of women's indie, like there is with Sammy and Kevin. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, any, any other? I mean, this wasn't the best takeover that we've seen. This is that was one of the best takeover matches that we've seen. But in our quest to find the greatest takeover, 
I would say that this one falls short. Do you guys agree? Yeah, I was going to say uh, whatever the last one, the one I wasn't here for, that to me gets the vote so far as the best takeover that we've had top to bottom. Right on. Um, okay, l- let's get to those odds and ends real fast. I got to go in like three minutes. This is banned from ringside. All right, this is all I want to say. Christian, you know, the Edge and Orton match ended with Orton punting Edge. Uh, that might, I don't know if that was a an audible that was called because they knew that Edge's tricep was torn. Probably not because it got torn in a reshoot. Uh, the Christian hook on Raw to have RKO fight Christian in a match at the end to have Flair low blow him and Orton also punt Christian. I got to admit, I really liked it. What do you guys think? Why not have Big Show do it? Why not have Big Show what? Big Show was the one that talked Christian into go ahead and fight Randy Orton. But why, why not have Big Show pull the swerve on Christian and not Christian out, have Randy punt him, well, okay. I, well, I have an easy answer for that. One, the, I got two reasons. One, Flair is a thousand percent cooler than Big Show, and two, Flair has the evolution history with Orton. Belabor me the evolution history. I'll give you that. There's no other reason besides that. But that's okay, a pretty big, big reason, though, right? If, I'm not disagreeing with you, Bill, but I'm just saying if you're going to do it, if you're going to throw some random shit out there, then it, at least do it the right way. Listen, I'm going mean, to I'm going to tell you if you can't see that he's hitting up at least with at least with Big Show, you don't know which Big Show you're going to get. When he came out the first time, I didn't know whether he was going to attack the, the fucking ninjas or the street prophets and the fucking Viking Raiders. You just didn't know. At least with fucking Ric Flair, you knew what was getting ready to happen. Christian, you a dumbass, dude. This is the dirtiest player in the game. He said that Randy Orton was going to beat fucking Edge, and now all of a sudden you're going to turn your back on him? Shame on Christian. You got what you deserve. Hey, I'm going to say to you what my wife says to me, Jason. Don't disagree with me. Don't say you're not disagreeing with me and then say but, because when you say but, <laughs> you're disagreeing with me. <laughs> <laughs> Any thoughts on it, Zach? Uh, just that it is more of them relying on the old and not building for the future. At least with Christian, it ties into the current storyline, even though that storyline is about a guy past his prime and a guy coming back from retirement who's also past his prime. Uh, but at least it plays into it. Like, why you got Ric Flair there? There's a goddamn global pandemic. Dude's got major health problems. Like, did, does Ric Flair really need to be there? Like, is this essential business? Is 205 Live and Main Event essential business? No. Uh, the other thing that... Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Right, no, that's it. That's it. That's it. Uh, the other thing I was going to add is that Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles on SmackDown was a 38-minute match, and it was very good. And it's a sad state of how bad SmackDown sucks. And how good the rest of the, not, I mean, just how bad SmackDown sucks is that we didn't even talk about it because that. Yeah, is, no doubt. That was worth watching. No, it was four commercial breaks. I mean, damn, you know, every time you would start to get into the match, it was a commercial break. It's a dream type match, though, is all I'm saying. Is, 
it was a great match. And the reason why we're not talking about it is because they gave that match a little hype and they gave Edge and Orton a ton of hype. Now, whether it deserved it or not, I'll let you guys, you know, discuss amongst yourselves. But the match that deserved the, the better match between those two was AJ and Daniel Bryan. And I'll die on that hill. This is banned from ring. All right, guys, we got some just a few birthdays, not very many. Bruiser Brody, 74, RIP. Yeah. Coco Beware, <laughs> uh, 63, RIP. Uh, I think so. Earthquake, 57, RIP. John Tenta. Yes. Uh, Brandy Rhodes is 37. Billy Kay is 31. Hey, everybody. We know there's tons of podcasts to listen to, so we appreciate you guys taking the time out to listen to ours. Rabbit fever. For, you know, me and Bo got on the same page this week, and uh, I think we came up with a good one. He was not very happy with me about Randy Borton last week. For Bo. Vice Geesman yeah. for FMB Eatery for Murray the Man Murray for Lucha Chris for Two Beer Zach Pullman. Check. Cheers. For Jason Cornelius Bell, I am Bill Veggie. Everybody, uh, Black Lives Matter. Support your local restaurants. Support your local weed dealer and boo the heels. Boo.